0: 1981, the year I was born and the birth of the millennial generation, a podcast for the rising stars and venture capital. This is Fund 81. Hey, all. Thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Krauss, your host at Fund 81 and co-founder and general partner at the Lane Venture Fund. MergeLane invests in high-potential startups and select venture funds with at least one female leader. Today, we're going to talk about something that has made us much better investors, the Enneagram. Our guest, Kaylee Klemp, is going to explain what that is in just a moment. But first, let me introduce her. Hey, Kaylee.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth.
0: Kaylee is a master Enneagram specialist, as well as a highly sought-after speaker, certified YPO forum facilitator, and a transformational executive coach. And I could say that from experience. She helps individuals and organizations outperform their competitors by unlocking a deeper understanding of what motivates and drives people. Kaylee co authored the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership and the Drama Free Office, wrote the 13 Guidelines for Effective Teams. So, Kaylee, what is the Enneagram?
1: So the Enneagram is a personality system. In some ways, you could see it as being like the PI or the Myers-Briggs or the Berkman. But what I love about the Enneagram is it's the only system that I'm familiar with that answers the question, why? So the Enneagram is really about motivation, about understanding why people are doing what they're doing. So it's really, really accurate on behaviors, but to me is even more powerful
0: because it takes get that one layer deeper. And Kaylee, what is the biggest impact that the Enneagram has had on your career? I
1: think there's really three different ways that the Enneagram has had an impact on my career. So first is just me personally. So once I learned my personality type, And backing up sort of to the what is the Enneagram question again, in this system there are nine personality types. And what I really appreciate about the Enneagram as well is that every single type is awesome and every single type has the ability to be an enormous thorn in someone else's side and also has the potential to be awful to yourself. One of the ways that the Enneagram has had an impact on me as a professional is that once I learned my own personality type, I feel like I was able to be more effective both as a coach, as a facilitator, and to be more effective as a author in the different books that I've written. The place that I've seen it in the work though is as a coach, I use the Enneagram with people who are trying to understand some patterns that perhaps haven't been serving them or who are interested in making a shift or understanding how they can grow in a different way. And many of the tools that I've used throughout my career, so conscious leadership tools like curiosity versus defensiveness and drama, tools that I still use, people, once they learned their personality type, it just clicked in a totally different way. It's like they, they got themselves and they got their patterns and you're like, oh my gosh, I get it. And then a lot of transformation was possible that wasn't possible before I knew the Enneagram. And then I think the third piece, which I think will lead into another question, is that as a facilitator, it's really remarkable to me to watch how once teams learn each other's personality types, so much gets unlocked and how they work together rather than working against each other. In many respects, unconsciously, I don't think anyone shows up at work like, I wonder how I can work against my partners today. But all of those unconscious behaviors sort of drop away when you can really understand why people are doing what they're doing. Yeah,
0: I definitely have experienced that with our team. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the most significant impact that it's had on you personally and in your personal life?
1: The, the real reason actually that I got into the Enneagram was personal. So I actually, I just finished a blog post about this, but I haven't put it up yet that um, I would say the Enneagram saved my marriage. So Nate and I had been married probably a year and a half and it started to really hit some bumps and our patterns kept interlocking where the harder I pushed and the more I wanted him to sort of like try harder and do it right according to my sort of type 1 personality, the more he withdrew into himself, and we got really into a vicious cycle. And I am not exactly sure how she did it, but my mother somehow was able to get both of us to believe that it was our idea to go to the Enneagram Institute. So we spent nine full days at the Enneagram Institute studying with Russ Hudson. And mostly what happened is He just gave language to what each of us was experiencing so we could describe what was happening in a way that the other person got, and we stopped accusing each other of doing things on purpose, and it really helped us shift and have a lot more empathy and compassion for one another.
0: Huh. So I'm just curious, were, was your mom into the Enneagram herself?
1: Yeah, so the way I got introduced to the Enneagram was my parents got The Wisdom of the Enneagram, which is still to this day one of my most favorite books. You know, it's this thick. Um, by Don Riso and Russ Hudson. And my parents had gotten exposed to the Enneagram and were like, they would just leave the book out on the counter. And we would flip through to different sections and see if we could figure out what we were. And as my parents started having different conversations, Nate and I got interested too. And that was, I think, why we were both so receptive to her suggestion.
0: So as early stage investors, we're in the business of discovering extraordinarily talented founders. So I'm curious, can you give us an example of how the Enneagram helped you or one of your clients assess human talent?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as I think about the Enneagram, what it can't answer is something like, does this founder have a great idea? And it can't answer things like, you know, is this founder, you know, good at math or able to create a, you know, a, a sound strategic plan? But what I think it does let you do as an investor is ask better questions about their sort of Achilles heels. So as a, for instance, um, one of my clients was um, about ready to have a person join their team. And they were lovely in the interview process, right? Like who isn't delightful in the interview process? But what they were able to do is once they learned um, this person's personality type happened to be type three, which is the achiever, and threes are fabulous and brilliant at setting goals and achieving them and will get themselves in trouble because they can start to be human doings and they can lose track of relationships because they're just accomplishing so much. And so they were able to ask the person, help me understand how balance works for you, which is a counterintuitive question in some respects because the person was like, wait, you're hiring me for a job. Don't you just want me to work all the time? But what they were really asking about is, we wanna understand how you work with relationships because that's gonna show up in this work environment and in our culture as well. And so just being able to ask those more pointed questions or in the, the more sophisticated way, I think lets you see your talent in a more clear light, and that helps you assess it
0: more accurately. And to build on that, uh, startups' team dynamics is typically
1: often actually
0: the most important decision factor. Yeah. So can you give us an example of how you or one of your clients use the Enneagram to understand how teams might work together?
1: Yeah, you bet. This is one of my favorite places to work, because to your point, I think that team dynamics are so central to the success of organizations and the enneagram is such a powerful tool in this way so there's actually there's two stories i was thinking about one is there was a ceo who was a type 8 which is the challenger And challengers are wonderful to have in your organization for their energy, for their never give up, and for what they do, which is challenge. So they'll challenge the status quo. They ask really interesting questions. They inspire people to do more than they thought they could. Well, the problem, the downside with the challenger is that their default is to challenge. And so this entire team was under the impression that they were not performing at all because everything that they brought to the eight, they would get a challenge, they would get a really hard question, they would get pushback. And once they learned the Enneagram, what they realized was that was actually a vote of confidence. That was actually a sign of respect that if the CEO didn't think that it was a good idea or if he didn't respect the person, there was no engagement at all. So once they could reframe their understanding of like, why are they challenging me so much? It really helped them engage. And then they brought even better ideas because they weren't afraid when the, when the hard question came. They're like, oh, cool. This is engagement and not a like, oh, I can't believe that they brought that idea.
0: <laughs> so
1: that was sort of story number one. And like, I imagine that you can resonate a bit with that knowing that you have some aids that you work with. But the other one that I thought was really, really interesting was actually co-founders. And there was a co-founder who was a seven. Sevens are the enthusiasts, and they're brilliant in that they are able to see possibilities. And so there's sort of a yes and and a reframe that sevens are able to do, partnered with a six. Sixes are the loyalists, and what they're brilliant at is strategic planning and being able to see what's going to go wrong. Well, this co-founding pair was going to kill each other because every great idea that the seven had the six was like so that's cool and here are the three ways that that's going to go wrong and so it kept feeling like this push-pull dynamic of like one was the gas and one was the brakes and so they couldn't go anywhere and once they were able to unlock oh gosh hey you're asking those questions not because you actually mean no but just because you want to make sure that we're being thoughtful about risk and the other one could see like oh In some ways, you're coming up with all the possibilities so we can see which ones we can implement. You don't actually want to do 14 things simultaneously.
0: They were a fantastic pair. I love it. Yeah. So my, as Kaylee alluded to, my business partner, Sue, is an H. And it's funny that you brought up that story because she actually tells people now before she gives feedback that this is love. This means I'm interested. It means that I believe in you. And it just, it makes the conversation so much more productive when both understand what's happening.
1: Yes. And that's one of the things that I think is incredible about the Enneagram is that even if no one around you knows the language or understands the tool, your self-awareness and the ability to translate it into everyday language, hey, this is what love looks like, invites people in in a really fun and different feeling way.
0: So are there certain Enneagram types that might be more likely to achieve success as a startup CEO? I thought long and hard about this
1: question. And I do a lot of work with Young Presidents Organization or YPO. And I have seen really, really successful CEOs of every Enneagram type. So out of one side of my mouth, I would say, No, there's not one type that is sort of more successful as a startup founder or um, as an entrepreneur. Out of the other side of my mouth, I will say that there are three types that are overrepresented in my clientele, and in particular, as they make it into YPO, and those types are the challenger, and I think the reason that challengers are overrepresented is because of that sort of will and energy, and I think that there is a lot of energy that's required in a startup. There's sort of having that extra booster or like being charged by the 220 instead of the 110 is an asset. I also think that it's possible that it's don't really love having a boss. And so creating a startup is a way to not have someone else be your boss, but to be your own boss. (laughs) Type number two that I see overrepresented in startups are sevens. Sevens are the enthusiast and sort of in the classic entrepreneur's way, sevens are able to see something as possible when all other signs say it's impossible. So most often in the life of a startup, there's a moment where all the numbers say you're gonna fail, all of the voices around you say that you're gonna fail, and that's the moment where sevens are like, that's why this is such a great idea. No one else sees the possibility. And so if they can make it through some of like the gauntlets where it's just kind of notes to the grindstone hard work, Sevens make really excellent startup founders and CEOs, and then the the last type that I see overrepresented are threes. Um, threes are the achiever, and the reason that I think threes are overrepresented is because of that ability to set a goal and achieve it, but also because threes are most aware of what's valued in society. And at this particular moment in time, I think that the United States is pretty infatuated with entrepreneurship. And so threes are like, well, that's what everybody thinks is awesome. Then I can succeed at that. And
0: what I appreciate is that
1: most of them will do the hard work to succeed at it.
0: Well, so as you know, I'm an Enneagram one performer. And my Enneagram type does have a lot of natural leadership qualities. However, my Enneagram type really likes to achieve perfection or to at least try to achieve perfection. And I have been an entrepreneur since I was 24, but I actually realized that I am better as something other than the CEO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the CEO or our organization is an eight, and it's a really good compliment because I want to go slowly and perfectly, and she just wants to charge forward. And yeah. so once we figured out how to talk to each other productively, we were an amazing pair. Yes, and
1: what I love is that often types will find their counterbalance in that way, which is really powerful to understand, hey, I'm often – running so fast that I forgot to dot my I's and cross my T's, or I'm so committed to getting it right that sometimes I miss the next wave, and to be able to have somebody who pushes you in a direction that you know you need to be pushed, that's a really, really powerful thing that you can do as a co-founder, that you can do in conversation, you can do as a team, or even as an investor, you can introduce a voice that might be missing in the dynamic.
0: Great. And, you know, the CEO isn't always the most important team member or not the only important team member. And so, are there other roles that certain Enneagram types tend to excel in? I, I feel nervous to say,
1: like, well, you should have your five be a chief technology officer and you should have your six be, you know, we're risk manager. Because it's not so much that. A type says, you know, go do this particular role so much as there are superpowers and tendencies that different types will have. Mm -hmm. So exactly as you're saying as a type one reformer, your ability to see what perfection could look like and strive for it is a really, really valuable role on a team. In the same way that, you know, to have a five on your team, they're really about the data and making sure that you're thorough and complete with your data and that your model is robust and that you, like, you've thought really deeply about the questions. That's a really critical role that can sit in a variety of seats. So what I think is really powerful is not so much saying, like, Okay, make sure that you have you know, a three, that's your sales lead. But to say, can you get somebody's motivation? Hey, what does success look like aligned with their role? That I think is where it's really powerful.
0: So what are some of the best ways for people to figure out which Enneagram type they are?
1: That's a, that's a great question.
0: I think, I think the place to start is with a
1: test. Now the tests are problematic. My favorite Enneagram test is the one on the Enneagram Institute website. And the reason I like that one is because it's only $12 and I find that it's as accurate as the ones that are you know, many, many multiple times as expensive. Because the tests are trying to help you figure out what motivates you, and it's really hard to self-report motivation, I don't find that they're perfectly accurate, but they'll at least give you a direction to start to explore. So I would say to find out your type, start with a test, but don't get married to the high score. Instead, use it as a starting point for your own self-inquiry, and then you can read books or you can um, take an online course. So there's one that I just put out at um, KayleeKlemp.com. You can link to the courses, and that helps you start to explore, oh, wow, that really resonates with me, or, huh, that high score doesn't quite match my experience of myself. I wonder what else might be going on.
0: Great. And two quick Points of clarification. Uh, so Kaylee Clamp is K A L E Y K L E M P dot com. Yeah. Uh, lots of great information on your website. And then I believe when you go to the test section of the Enneagram Institute, two tests come up, and it's the Ready test. Correct.
1: Yeah. R H E T I is the one for your personality type.
0: Great. Okay. So you touched on this a little bit, but I took the test and found it very, very worthwhile. It immediately pegged me in what I believe is my Enneagram type. And then I was listening to some other Enneagram experts who said, you know, just throw away the idea of taking a test. It's not even worth it. And you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but... Where I've come is that I think the test is really helpful. And then I also read some follow-up materials and books and had more conviction around the Enneagram type that I had landed on. Yeah. So I'm just curious, would you argue with that or do you think that's, that's the right approach? Well, so
1: I agree with you in terms of the test being really helpful. I think where sort of the caveat is The test is really, really helpful in saying, pay attention to this top one or two types, and you don't have to worry about the other seven. I think what we're teachers or experts will say throw away the test is that some types have a really, really hard time typing on the tests. So in particular, there are three types that will have a harder time with the Enneagram test. The first is the nine, which is the Peacemaker, because... They see everyone's perspective. That's one of their superpowers. And so really, really regularly, their test results will come back with even scores. And so not to be like, well, that was a stupid test. All my scores were the same. Well, it's because unconsciously, they ended up sort of um, matching or evening out all their different scores. Similarly, sixes will very often, so six, the loyalist, will often have a hard time with the test because... Everything you say about a six, the opposite can also be true. And one of the features of the six in stress is that they will second guess or doubt. And so then you get a meta experience where the six will start to second guess or doubt their type. And then they'll find the one thing that wasn't true in the description and use that as fuel to feed the doubt about their type. So um, I think what's really helpful is to do what you did. Start with the test but then read and validate with yourself. One tip I would say though is um, we we type ourselves by how we are at our worst. Now that sounds really negative, but here's here's the rationale. When I'm present, when I'm grounded, when it feels like I have choices, my personality is much more loose, it's much more flexible, and I can select from all the gifts of all the different personality types. It's when I get stressed, it's when I feel overwhelmed or when I'm tired or when I'm triggered, that's when I'll really see my personality at work. It's almost like it's autopilot or that's the moment where my personality has me instead of me having my personality. And so what I'll tell people is take the test and answer the questions like you would have in your early 20s or before you did any personal or professional development work. And the reason is because it's much easier to acknowledge your true faults. If it's not my present enlightened self, that was my, like, that was my early 20s self.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to share before we sign off or any question you were hoping I would ask you? Hmm, I, gosh, I think we covered a lot of ground.
1: I guess the only thing that I would say is if this is the very first time that you're ever hearing about the Enneagram and I'm throwing in numbers and words and they all get kind of mixed up and interchanged, it's worth just taking a few minutes to glance through and match up some of the types with the names because they'll start to resonate in a way where you'll see yourself and some of the people that you care about And that might be a catalyst for even more inquiry.
0: Great. And Kaylee, how do people engage with you? I would say the the easiest and the best place to start
1: is certainly on my website at KayleeKlemp.com. There's a way to contact me directly there. If you're interested in the Enneagram, there's a link to the course there. There's also just a homepage about the Enneagram that has a little bit more information There'll be a few blog posts coming out about things like how the Enneagram saved my marriage or how not to use the Enneagram on a team. So find me there, KayleeKlemp.com. Again, K-A-L-E-Y, K-L-E-M-P. And I imagine that if you really get stuck, Elizabeth could connect us. Absolutely.
0: All right. Thanks, Kaylee. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes or share this episode. For more tips on how to be a better venture capitalist, you can check out our website at fund81.com. That's fund 8 Until next time.